morning's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. So you can follow along in your own Bibles or as the text is presented on the screen. And I'm reading from the NIV version today. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning. I'm a new face up here. Fairly new. Um, I'm, uh, my name is Mark. I am one of the pastors here at Pine Lake. I have the privilege of serving students. Um, Lauren and I, my wife, just arrived last week from Southern California. Uh, we made the trip up. Uh, we settled in, and best news ever in our house right now, we only have one more piece of IKEA furniture to build. <laughs> so, if anybody, if anybody is a professional IKEA furniture builder, come uh, come talk to us afterwards. Um, if uh, if we didn't already have enough marks around this place, um, my uh, my dad is actually here, and funny enough, his name is Mark. So I'm a junior, but the thing is, um, today is his birthday, and so he's here. Yeah, cool. <laughs> So, I, I don't, do you guys sing here? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Can we? I'm not a singer. So, JD, no. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Senior. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> Cool. He hated that, so that's good. Um, hey, we're uh, we're going to be continuing our series in um, in Matthew chapter 13. We'll be here all summer um, with the parables and, and these parables that Jesus offers us, uh, giving us this small glimpse of the kingdom of God and how it's this constant invitation that we have to live into this kingdom. Uh, so if you would. Um, if you just open your hearts, and I'll, I'll just begin our time together this morning in prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather. Pray that you would open our hearts and speak to us this morning. May we be soil that receives from you today. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever prepared for something been so ready, taken every step possible to make sure it goes just as planned, and it ends up going so wrong. Has anyone ever been there? 
the first day of school, my junior year of college, I was sitting in the front row of my abnormal psychology class, and this girl burst in the door, red in the face, all sweaty. Mind you, I went to, to college in Southern California in August, so it was hot. And I, sitting in the front row, she runs to the front row and takes a seat. I had no idea at that time, but this girl who chose to sit next to me, opposite ends of the row at that time, uh, would someday be my wife. And fast forward a couple years, about a year and a half, um, I had been scheming. I was going to propose uh, to this blue-eyed girl. She wasn't sweaty then. She, she's usually not sweaty. It was just, it was hot. It was fine. She was in a rush. She was flustered. But I was going to I was going to propose to this girl from abnormal psychology class. Isn't that, that's just weird. Yeah. But I had the perfect plan. You see, my uncle lived in this area near us, and uh, he owned this small little Cessna plane. It was just like uh, a little prop plane. Uh, could fit like three people. And, um, and so what we were going to do is uh, we were going to, he invited us consistently to, to go up and, and fly in his plane, but Lauren and I just never got to do that. And so, um, very naturally, I just began to, to plan kind of this simple date that we would fly over to this island, Catalina. It was about an hour, 40 minutes uh, plane flight from Los Angeles, um, just off the coast. Uh, we would walk along the ocean, you know, have lunch, and at the end of the day, I would propose on the seaside cliffs of Catalina, right? It was incredible. It was the perfect plan. But what made it so special is that Lauren wouldn't expect a proposal because we had talked about going to Catalina for a while. And so uh, if there's one thing that Lauren values, it's spontaneity and surprises. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be good. She'd be surprised. It would be spontaneous. It was all coming together perfectly. So one night, about a week before we had headed out, planned to head out to Catalina, and and I was going to propose... Lauren and I were, were just having dinner together, uh, probably a PB&J and mac and cheese for her. Uh, and my birthday was coming up next month, and so she asked if, uh, if I'd like to go flying in my uncle's plane for my birthday. He, he, she would talk. Yeah. So me, thinking that I played it off all cool, um, suggested that we do something else for my birthday and we could find another time to go flying soon. But to this day... Lauren said that I had a split-second look of fear in that moment, and she knew that something was up. Later that evening, she shared with the roommate that she, was, uh, she just had this feeling that I was going to propose on Catalina Island. So my genius plan had been discovered. So the next day, I saw Lauren's roommate while I was walking to class, and she shared with me that Lauren was onto this plan. There was nothing that Lauren loves more than spontaneity, so I knew my original plan just simply would not work. So I remember sitting in class, a little bummed that my my plan had not worked out and um, it had been discovered. So in that moment, I just realized, forget it, I'm proposing today. And so (laughs) if she wants spontaneity, I'll give her spontaneity, right? So in front of our friends and students and leaders um, at the church that we were both serving at at the time, um, I proposed in front of a youth group. And so I did. I just did it. I, to this day, I still owe Lauren something, but it, it was so special because she didn't know it was coming, and I got her good. Um, and so um, needless to say, this proposal went nothing like I'd planned. It all worked out. We're 
three and a half years in, I think, right? We're good, okay. <laughs> but but I, I wonder if you can relate to that. Could you relate to, to something that, that you've planned, maybe schemed together, you've, you've thought of every single detail, thought of everything that needs to t- be taken care of, and, and you had everything set up, and then nothing went according to plan. Has anyone ever been there before? Maybe it was a dinner party. Maybe it was a birthday party. Maybe it was a family vacation. Maybe it was a, a grade that you're attempting to get in, in a class. I think we've often, most of us have been there where nothing goes as planned. So when we're working towards something, how do we know that it will actually turn out the way that we planned? How do we have confidence that the place in which we are investing all our time, effort, and energy will pay off in the end. Take, for instance, this farmer in our, in our parable of, of the sower, right, with the four soils spreading the same exact amount of seed, right, just, just going out into the field, spreading the seed over the soil. Each soil had the desire to grow, right, and the opportunity to grow and produce fruit. But because of the conditions of the soil or the ground, and because of other external circumstances, only one of the four soils actually produced fruit. Actually received the seed and did with it what was intended. And, and so these, these four soils, as we used last week when Pastor Sharon was sharing, um, these represent this parable that Jesus offers to us to get a small glimpse of the kingdom of God and what it means to live in this good soil. But if you were actually good soil, knowing nothing else than your own soil, how do you know that you produce good fruit? I think most of us desire to be good soil, to be this fruitful soil. But how do we know that we're actually living in to this good soil? That we just won't get to the end and have no fruit or very little fruit to show. And so this, this morning, I think this parable gives us this beautiful picture, this beautiful representation of what it means to live life in this good soil, this constant invitation that God extends through Jesus Christ of what it means to live in this good soil. Um, as we talked about last week, the parables are kind of this um, this dynamic idea of, of something that is so tangible, so practical, in such simple language, but is communicating something so much bigger than anything that we can actually wrap our minds around. And so um, there's this quote by this uh, theologian, Klein Snodgrass. He says, Jesus' parables are handles for understanding his teaching of the kingdom. Right, Pastor Sharon kind of introduced us into this theme last week of, of viewing the parables kind of as this invitation of, or, or a handle, if you will, of something that's so much greater, so much bigger than ourselves, than even our church, than who we are as people, as an invitation of what it means to live into the kingdom of God. So how do we live in this good soil, as this good soil? I want to propose this morning that as we wrestle with this idea in the text that we have today, is that this idea that the condition of the soil is a direct reflection of the condition of the heart. That the condition of the soils that we see here on this this platform 
is really just this, this mini depiction of the condition of the heart. Both individually, personally, but then also corporately as a church. Right? Because we have a heartbeat as a church as well. We maintain that heartbeat as a church. And so these soils are a direct reflection of the condition of the heart. So looking at this text, I just want to offer a few observations of what we see here in, uh, in determining the quality of these four soils. And so um, if you do have your Bible in front of you, um, verse 19, it, it mentions this idea of the message about the kingdom. So determine, to determine soil, uh, we first might be helpful to determine kingdom and what, what kingdom is and living into kingdom really looks like. Um, and I think we look at the other, other gospels help us kind of determine this, even though Matthew has this great depiction of the parables and what it means to live in this soil. Um, the gospel of Mark, as if there weren't already enough Marks around here, the gospel of Mark um, adds something that I think is so specific and so key to understanding this parable. And, it, and it's actually found in Mark 1, verse 1. It says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So what is this message of the kingdom? Simply put, the message of the kingdom is Jesus Christ. The arrival of Jesus Christ. And you see this language in Mark, the gospel of Mark. He says the beginning, right? And so in one sense, it is the beginning of Jesus and his ministry on earth, right? But there's this echo that's going on. Where have you heard those words before, the beginning, right? All the way back to the beginning, right, in Genesis, right? And Mark, the gospel writer, does this intentionally, giving us this picture that something's about to change because Jesus is coming onto the scene. Something's about to change. But it's really been there the entire time since the beginning, right? There's this echo of bringing us back, but also allowing us to look forward. And so you you see it skip down into verse 23. The parable says, hears the words and understands it. Hears the words and understands it. Talking about this good soil. Pastor Sharon so, so specifically, so pointedly offered to us last week that hearing is so important. But she offered the idea that it goes so much further than just hearing with our ears, right? It's this understanding, this idea of understanding while we hear, with our whole selves, with all of who we are. And so really, it's this this idea of um, knowing that nowhere is there more evident of this hearing and understanding than Pine Lake Park on a hot July afternoon, right? Think about this. So maybe you've been there before. Has anybody been to Pine Lake Park? Yeah, I hope so. I've been there once. <laughs> Actually, twice now. Um, so maybe you've, you've, you've witnessed this. You've witnessed this before. Maybe you're, you're walking by, and there's a kid up, up top, right? And he's about to jump off of something that he knows he shouldn't do, right? You've seen it. And, what, and what, what does his mom or what does his dad or what does the babysitter say? Little Johnny, no, right? Don't do it. And you see in his eyes that split second, right? We have a two-year-old nephew, almost two-year-old nephew right now, and, and it's that look in his eyes where he's like, should I listen or should I do what I want to do, right? 
It's that split second moment that I, I think we, we find ourselves in oftentimes of hearing what was said, but actually letting it take seed in our heart. I think that, that, that's this invitation that the parable is offering to us here this morning of don't get distracted by simply just hearing this message. Receive it in your heart. Receive it in your heart. And so when we see that, that Mark 1 offers this, this continual uh, helpful example of what it means to be this good sower, this, this, good, uh, this good soil, we see this invitation that John the Baptist offers. And so if you know anything about John the Baptist, it's kind of a weird guy, right? Has anybody ever read anything about John the Baptist? We don't know a whole ton about him except for that he wore weird clothing of fur and ate bugs, right? Any eighth grade boys like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Talk to me afterwards. We can join a club or something. So John the Baptist, was, was, he's known as this front runner. That's kind of the, the language that Scripture gives John the Baptist, the front runner of Jesus, that he, he went before Jesus and, and said that um, he had this message to proclaim about who was to come. And check this out. In Mark 1, verse 15, it says, The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe this good news. And so maybe you've heard that word repent before. It's, it's something that's it's very important in the language of the, of, of the body of Christ, but it's something that I think oftentimes we just throw those words around and, and maybe not really internalizing and knowing what those means. Um, the word repent, there is this literal change in direction. This idea of moving one way and stopping and then moving a different way. Right? And so for a lot of the hearers, of, of um, John the Baptist's message, it was this idea that there was this, this religion that was set in Judaism, right? Was set in place, but there was this renewal, this repentance that was necessary because Jesus was coming to change the way that we thought about the kingdom of God. That there was a better way than what was in place before. That this invitation offered this better way. And just as that invitation was in place for Judaism and the Jews at the time, it's this constant invitation that's given to us now that there is a better way offered to us. So tuck that away because that's something that really is pertinent and important to our idea of what it means to be this good soil and to listen with our heart. Lastly, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, there's this language of 160 and 30-fold. Does anybody, did anybody recognize that when we were reading through? These three numbers that were mentioned in the text. Um, the Gospel of Mark counts up, right? So Matthew counts down from 160 to 30. The Gospel of Mark counts from 30, 60 to 100. And then Luke is like, forget it, I'm not a numbers guy, I'm a doctor. And he didn't even mention numbers, right? Check out what Luke says. This is what Luke says. He says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. 
So that was his idea, his understanding of producing 30, 60, 100. Luke's idea was hearing the word, retaining it, and producing a crop. Hearing and retaining. Ultimately, that's what's determining fruit. So what does this actually mean for us? Well, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was in seminary, I just actually finished up in May, um, a big part of my seminary education, um, you're kind of supposed to write this thesis paper, this capstone paper. And a lot of what I got to explore um, was this idea of theology and disability, this idea of, of looking at theology, looking at God, looking at the kingdom of God um, through the lens of different abilities and, and disability. And for me, that was something that, that completely reopened, reshaped, and reframed a lot of the way that I looked at not only the kingdom of God, but about myself and what it means to live into the kingdom of God. Because I think it's so easy to get closed off and focused on our own perspective that we lose sight of maybe the experiences of other people around us. And so when you hear this parable of the importance of hearing and understanding, that means something to to a lot of us. But to some people... That's not possible. Hearing and understanding is not possible. So how do we wrestle with this? If the kingdom of God is for everyone, how do we wrestle with this idea that the invitation is about hearing and understanding, even if that's not something that you're able to do? And so what is this message really about? Going back to this initial question, how do we live as this good soil that produces fruit? I think that the key to this, this whole parable, to this whole understanding, is that the condition of the soil is a direct reflection of the condition of the heart. It's this, this mirror right, of, of looking at these four soils here. It's kind of this, this heart exam, if you will finding where we are this morning, but also as a church, in these four soils. It's, it's this, this heart exam. Again, this, this theologian, Clyde Snodgrass, points to the fact that, that Mark asks, do you really hear Jesus' message? But Matthew asks, do you really understand with your heart? He goes, he goes on to say, real hearing is something that leads to obedience. And that we should not forget that the Hebrew word for hearing, this, this literal word for hearing, is often translated into English as obeying. This invitation to hear literally meant to obey. It wasn't just to hear, it was to listen and obey. It's this constant drawn being, a process of being drawn and redrawn into this kingdom because of the condition of our heart. This morning, um, I invite you, us, as a church, as a body, um, into this, this type of heart exam of what it means uh, to be living as these soils, but ultimately with a posture of desiring to live as this good soil. Asking this question, is my heart the good soil? 
is my life and the habits that I have established and maintained and the ways that I interact with people and desire to live my life, is that fruitful and good soil? But this question isn't just something that's for us individually, right? Um, Has anyone ever read the book of Revelation? Yeah, that's some tricky stuff, huh? Um, there's, there's this idea in the book of Revelation that, that some theologians are, are kind of, um, have some different perspectives on um, and how to interpret this. But, but one idea is, uh, if you've ever read the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, it mentions this idea of, to the angel of the church in such and such, right? Have you ever, maybe you've, you've read that. It's these first three chapters are seven different letters to these churches, and so, um, to the church of Ephesus, to the church in Pergamum, right? And so, some scholars think that this is uh, this this idea of the angel, right, to the the angel of the church in this uh, in this specific place. Um, it's this idea that us as a church we have kind of this heartbeat, right? This this ethos of who we are, and that writing to the angels of the churches. John was actually writing to kind of this, this ethos, this heart of the church, right? And, and some, some hearts were kind of called out as being lukewarm, right? Some hearts were called out in, in, in wanting to persevere and maintain. But it's this idea that each church, us as a church, as a body, a living organism, collectively, we have a heartbeat. Something that, through the power of the Holy Spirit and who Jesus is in bringing unity, offers us this heartbeat of who we are as a church. And so the irony of the initial question and really this idea that I'd shared before of, of, of planning so well and so intently and then at the end of it all, things going so much differently than we anticipated, the irony in that is that no matter how hard we plan, the posture of our heart is only dictated by our willingness to receive. No matter how hard we're intent on hoping that we can live as this good soil, this only occurs through a posture of receiving. And the thing about this idea is that what it means to live as good soil might be different for each of us. Um, but, but I think that that is just a small illustration of the power of, of the way that the Holy Spirit works in and through us as a body and in and through our lives. For me, um, I, uh, I went into college my, my freshman year and I um, had the desire to, I was going to study business. Um, my dad was a businessman and um, was good at it, and I saw that what he did was something that I, I think I could do, and so I didn't ever really think twice about what life was going to look like other than the fact that I was going to get good enough grades to pass my business classes, move home, and work with my dad and work in his business, and life would be good. Uh, about halfway through college, my sophomore year, um, began to really identify a stirring in my heart that I think had been going on for quite a while um, that I really didn't ever recognize or pay attention to because I had other desires that were in place. And, and I started to, to sense this, this calling and this, uh, I, I really just this desire to, to move um, away from what I thought I was going to do with my life and more into the unknown of what God was calling me into in a different direction. Um, so that took me as a, 
a psychology major for one semester, and I met somebody. And then I ended up getting a, a theology degree and um, standing in front of you, never imagining that I was going to have the opportunity to serve students and to be part of Pine Lake Covenant Church. Um, but knowing that God offers us this opportunity to receive from him if we're just willing. And I was not willing for a long time because I knew that that was something that was going to cost something. That was going to have a, a different trajectory for my life. Living in the state of Washington, I didn't know it at the time, instead of going back to Colorado or whatever that may look like. I think a lot of us are offered those invitations and like me, we miss those consistently. We miss those invitations to live as this good soil. And so this morning, I do invite us into this time um, of a heart exam and, and what that ultimately looks like. And so um, I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come back forward and um, enter into a time of, of reflection, a time where... Um, us individually as people have this, have this opportunity to really take this heart exam. Uh, but as a church, invited into this opportunity to take this heart exam as a corporate body of who am I and who are we and how are we living as soil and how is God drawing us into the opportunity to live as this good soil? So if you would uh, join me in prayer this morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Search us, O oh God. Search us as a church, as people who desire to receive from you. Know our hearts. Lord, some of us come to you this morning hurt, angry, bitter, frustrated, wounded. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be something and in a posture to receive from you this morning. Lord, some of us come desiring to receive the freedom of new life that comes through this message of what Jesus brought. Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning, reminding us of this good news that is Jesus, his life and death and resurrection, that through him we have life and freedom. Lord, some of us come um, pretty stagnant, needing new conviction, new direction, a uh, new spark. Lord, fill us in a way that only you can through your spirit. And Lord, we come to you as a church, as your church, eager to be your community in this place, in this rapidly ever-growing, ever-changing community. Lord, we need you. Show us. Guide us. Lead us 
and how to be your church in this place. Lord, we want to be good soil. We want to have good hearts that receive and produce fruit. Thank you, Lord.